get ready to take your branding to the next level. This is Million Dollar Branders. We know what it takes to build million dollar brands because we live it and breathe it. And now we're sharing our tips and success secrets with you. Here's your host, Justine Pogroski. So guys, welcome to the Million Dollar Branders podcast. I'm so excited to have this guest on today, Marshall Wilkinson. So he is the founder of the ALP method, which I love what it stands for, Altitude Logic Pressure. Marshall is a second generation contractor and construction manager who has sold over 2.5 billion worth of contracts in his career. Marshall has been featured in Yahoo Finance, Business Insider, Fox Business, Forbes, and has been a guest on Dropping Bombs podcast with Bradley. I know we had him on before, but that's how I found him. What an incredible podcast that was. And he's a real estate entrepreneur. Um, prior to coaching and consulting, Marshall was also a C-suite executive at Eldor Contracting Corp and a vice president at Natalsis Consulting, LLC, and a risk manager at Hazen and Sawyer PC. So, so excited and blessed to have you on our podcast, Marshall. And you look dapper. You definitely are in a real estate vibe for those of you who can't see him in his perfectly mm. manicured red jacket and pocket scarf. Love it. So Thank I just want to... I want to get into this because I mean, you're, you've done incredible things in your life, but also just as an entrepreneur and what I, I think what magnetized me towards you was your energy levels and your mindset. So can you give us a little bit of background? I want to hear a little bit about little Marshall Wilkinson and your journey on how you got onto this path in real estate development and please enlighten us. Sure. Okay. Well, little Marshall Wilkinson's from Long Island, New York. Um, like you said, I'm a second generation contractor and construction manager. So, um, I was kind of born into this business and born around the men of that world. My dad being a huge, obviously a huge influence in my life. Um, and you know, I, I grew up in, you know, it's interesting because construction is kind of, we're like 20 years behind society. And, uh, you know, so I was born in, uh, in the early 1980s, in the beginning of the 1980s. I'm 41 today. And so, you know, the guys that I grew up around and my dad were old school mentality guys. And so that really shaped who I was and my work ethic and kind of what was required and expected of me as a youngster and kind of my trajectory as an adult. It was kind of set in stone, so to speak. But I had a normal childhood, a very good childhood in Long Island, New York. And, and and those are happy days that I look back upon. And that was a really good time to be brought up in Long Island and visit New York City and do all that, do all that stuff in the 80s. I think it was a like a really great time to be around yeah. 80s and early 90s. But a typical normal suburban type childhood. And prior to mobile phones, right? Like do you remember the internet dial up when it used to go do uh, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think- remember I remember when the beeper came out, man. That was a big deal. <laughs> and we had to hustle the old school way. There was none of this TikTok, Instagram, instant yeah. gratification of like. So really appreciate Different that. World. I, influence is really important, you know, and a lot of our listeners are on a journey of personal and professional growth and to kick things off I mean I've, I've seen your relationship with your dad obviously had a huge effect on you but 
out of all the wisdom in your life, what is one piece of advice? And it can be from a mentor or your father or someone around you that has given you, well, that really pushed your journey to where it is now and could possibly influence their potential to transform their own life and career. Well, I'll tell you, it's not, it, it just can't be just one thing. You know, like a village rears a child, you know, and I'll tell you that um, my relationship with my dad is very similar to like Tiger Woods relationship with his dad. My dad molded me and he groomed me and he very much, for lack of a better term, kind of brainwashed me as a kid that I can do anything. I could be anything. I'm going to enter the business and I'm going to be an unstoppable force. Something that people have never seen before. You're going to achieve great things younger than everybody. And that was like pounding into my head my entire life. And as a kid, you don't know anything different. So you actually believe him. And, um, and so I think, you know, if, if there's, if there's a piece of advice that I could give to anybody, especially parents is to make sure that those years that you have with your child, you are positively reinforcing them because, you know, I look back on my career now and, and, and I'm 41 and I have like a second chapter in life and I've done, I've accomplished more in like 38 years than most people will do in a lifetime in my business. And it's because mm -hmm. I came out of the gate on fire with zero fear, ready to just conquer and believed that I could. Yeah, It wasn't like a, a dream. Like I knew you put me up against anybody. I'm going to take the contract down. I'm going to get the job done because I've been groomed to do it since I was in a high chair. So I think that that's a very important thing. You know, it's a bunch of little things that come together that make that, that culminate and, and make the person. So there isn't really necessarily one, one thing, but I would say that without self-confidence, none of it can be done. And so the self-confidence that I have wasn't earned because how could you earn self-confidence at 18 years old? You either have it or you don't. It's because it was, it was basically given to me. So if you can if you can do that with your child or your children, I think that that is just a tremendous leg up that you're going to give that child when they enter the world, because the world's a tough place. Absolutely. And they're going to need to have that kind of aggression to them to get out there and get after it instead of more of a timid kind of stick my toe into the pool. You want them to be more of like a cannonball type of guy, get in there and start mixing it up. Yes, I can. I know even through my own mom, like she's been my driving force and it's so important. I think you've got to be able to sell someone the vision to be able to let, you know, push them to that next level. But how important is vision as an entrepreneur? Uh, uh, vision is like, it's all about the vision, right? Like if I, if you don't see, there's certain things that you can't see. We have a saying at Eldor and the saying is the light gets brighter. So we have an idea of where we want it to go. And we recognize that the light, the path, the light on that path will get brighter the more steps we take towards it. Wow. So we don't necessarily know how to get there now, but we have to have a vision of where we want to go and what that looks like. And everyone has to agree upon that. And as we then move forward down that path, the light will get brighter and the vision will become more clearer to everybody. Right. So vision is important. You have to have a vision of what, what you want to do with the company, where you want to go. But I think more importantly is just get going. Yes. I know people that have a tremendous amount of vision. They just don't do anything about it. Yes. Action. Yeah, like I have a vision for the company. Okay, good. 
And five years later, I got this vision, man. <laughs> yeah, but you got no gas in the tank, bro. Turn the car on and step on the pedal. Or the people that created Uber before it was Uber or thought of the idea but didn't execute on that. Those people are funny. But yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And in your experience, yeah. I mean, we're talking about action, right? What separates those who achieve remarkable transformations and who are the go-getters and those who remain stagnant in their pursuits? Well, I think, like I said earlier, I think self-confidence is a big thing. You you have to have you have to believe in yourself that you can do it. And I think there's an internal thing. I'll tell you, at least from my perspective, is that I was, my self-confidence came from the fact that I was told that I would be the best and that I'm great. But then once you get in the game and you start taking some hits, you start realizing, hey, wait, I'm mortal. Mm. I really have to step my game up. I really have to commit to this to be great. And I think that there has to be another factor, the championship kind of will to win, and to me, it was proving and getting the approval of my father that I can, I can take this business to the next level greater than he ever could imagine. Wow. And that everything that he thought I was, I wasn't better. Huh. So it was really, it was really because of other people is why I was able to succeed the way that I did. If it was up to me and I didn't have any external pressure then I probably wouldn't have gone as far. I think the pressure, the almost, you know, shoulder back breaking pressure that I had on, on myself is really what would the fuel, what, what was the fuel and what made me achieve. I really think that pressure makes diamonds. Yes. And when you take the pressure off of people, that's when they won't perform. You're going to get the greatest performance out of a person, the harder you squeeze them. Mm. And the more responsibility and pressure, the more their back is to the wall, the more they're likely to brawl, so to speak. And that uh, I think that's really what it was for me. It was it was self-confidence and it was I'd rather die than let my team and my my really my dad down and not get that approval. That was what it was. Wow. That's such valuable advice. And. The, I think being a great entrepreneur also requires self-awareness. So, I mean, we spoke about self-confidence, but what role do you think self-awareness plays in enhancing one's intuition and how can individuals become more in tune with their instincts, whether, whether it's in a deal or a friendship or in life? Cause I think it's all interrelated, right? It's interesting. You know, uh, you know, that sounds like a very complex question that has probably a sophisticated answer to it. And I'm not, I'm probably not that smart to answer it in a way, in a manner that other guys probably could. I'll tell you though, the, the amount of pressure that I put on myself to get a job done and to do it perfectly. And, and my intuition and instinct that I could always rely on a skill set of salesmanship is really what made listen, if we can break this thing down and just be very, you make it very simple. Yeah. It's about customers. We need people to pay us. So entrepreneurship and, and business, we can get very sophisticated with it, but it's a really, it's a simple thing. You need a customer, you got to exchange a product or a service. And so in our business, I needed, I needed people to write us checks and say, you can do electrical work for us. And so what I relied on was my ability to get bang phones, have meetings, get out there and close deals. Mm -hmm. So I relied on my salesmanship, but the external pressure of, of having to be a top tier 
producer is what made me become one. Wow. So, you know, my instinct and my intuition was like, hey, man, we need to get the money. And, and that, I mean, honestly, quite honestly, that, that will cure everything. <laughs> it is all about that. And you are very, about that. so never ever say that because I think it's, it's one thing being intellectually smart, but it's another thing having swag and life experience. So you definitely fall into that category. I think we're very lucky to have you on the show. And by the way, all Marshall does not do podcast interviews. It took a lot of, lot of um, time and effort from his part to come on. Yeah. I know you're a busy man, so we appreciate it, but Let's talk about success, right? So behind every successful person, I know even from my own story or other entrepreneurs that I've had on the show, there's often a story of perseverance through adversity. Can you share one particular challenging moment on your journey that pushed you to the brink and how you found the strength to overcome it? Because I know you've got a go-getter attitude, but... Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, there are so many of those every in, in my business every day. It's like that. Yes. I mean, we have, we have, you have to put yourself in these shoes. You have a business that is self-funded. It's a private company. It's the family money. It's a, a business with extremely high overhead. Um, you got to think about being a union employer, which means we pay the highest rates to our laborers and and we attack the largest work we can in the city. Mm. So at any given time, there's millions of dollars in the street that we're putting at risk. And so every day you have these little mini heart attacks and breakdowns that happen on a project that could go catastrophic and completely take the business out. Yeah. You know, like um, on these projects, no, no, no project ever goes um, the right way. It never goes according to plan. It never goes according to schedule. And in the city of New York, you have a $5,000 liquidated damage that you have to pay the city every day you're late on a job. Wow. Okay. And so, I mean, these jobs are three years late. I was, on, we were on a job that was 11 years late. <sighs> I mean, the liquidated damages would be more than the contract value. Yes. And if they ever assess the liquidated damages against you, you're going out of business. And you're going to get Vendex and you'll never be able to bid the work again. You're going to have to shut down and start up and start new. So that was the, re that was the actual reality that I was facing every day. And so I guess that also just, just to circle back, it also could kind of, hopefully it helps color and paint the picture that I was painting for you earlier about um, keeping things simple because I was always facing oblivion every day. Most entrepreneurs aren't. No, you're right. You know, like those are some very serious and significant consequences to my inability to execute. And if I take my foot off the gas and or I don't stay as intense as I have to be, we're going to lose like a lot of money. Yes. You know, we're not going to lose like the coffee shop. We're going to lose like, you know, $20 million that took forever to get, mm. you know, you know, so like, it's a, it's a totally different type of, stratosphere of operation in that world right so it like it requires the absolute best of the best of you and no excuses and your ability to execute and there are there are many times that i've been staring down the barrel of a, of a job that's been late and mm -hmm. i'm fighting with the owner to try to prove that the job is not late because of me but because of someone else and constantly having that hanging over my head and there are, there are quite a few scenarios where you know we kind of got out of it by the skin of our teeth Yes. And those are the ones that stay with me. So I really, my philosophy on construction is really one of more of being a risk manager than being a builder. 
Mm. And that the contract rules the day, root word, of con- root word of contractor is contract. And that's the most important thing. Like this, what secondary is actually, believe it or not, or even tertiary, how it's going to get built. What really matters is how I'm not going to lose it on yeah. this job. Wow. So there are quite a few where we've come, I mean, literally hours from oblivion. And uh, it's a tough game, man. It's a, But it's a high risk, high reward game. Mm. It sounds like you're a Marine of construction, by the way. I feel like you're special ops here. But the conversations that you have in your head when that stuff is going on, you know, I think it takes a certain level of tenacity and then also calm. What are the conversations you tell yourself? Because a lot of these people listening to this are entrepreneurs. And I mean, they think it's the end of the world when they reach a moment of adversity. So what what are those conversations? I mean, you've got millions of dollars on the line that you tell yourself in your head. Yeah, so it's funny you said like a Marine. It's funny you say that because really like a construction outfit is kind of like an army. Yes, well. There's a general and there's a hierarchy and then there's men in the field. It is very similar to that because it's a mobilization of men, manpower, that's labor. Very similar to like a mobilization of troops that go out and execute certain tasks. Great. So there is a a correlation there. That's why usually military men do very well in the trades and end up being in construction when they leave the service, believe it or not. They end up coming into my world because it's it's regimented like that yes but uh, one of the things that my dad used to say all the time is that we never take a back step to anyone i love that that was that was his ethos he would always say marshall why are you afraid of what they're gonna say they need to be afraid of what we're gonna say (laughs) Fantastic. why are you afraid of how they think they need to be afraid of pissing me off it's the other way around he used to tell me that all the time you got it messed up they need to be afraid of pissing me off not not you be afraid of pissing them off And, and I would be like, okay, I kind of get that. And, but later I did, I understood that in my world of kind of smash mouth football, um, you know, that not taking a back step and showing that focused level of aggression, obviously in a professional manner, Yes. but that focused level of aggression and that we're not going to quit and we're not going to take a back step to anybody. We're not going to pay for the same real estate twice. We're going to move this ball forward no matter what. If we don't sleep, we don't sleep. We're going to outwork you. We're going to be sharper than you. We're going to be smarter than you. We're going to take you down. So that's just our core. That's just like how we woke up during, that's just how we operated. So there was never, there was never a choice. There was never an out. It was like, this has to get done and we have to win. There's no option. I think that's such an important lesson for those listening, because it's, one thing actually your thoughts do control your actions in a way so I appreciate that and a lot of people um are scared of rejection let's face it in life in the business world whatever it is like humans just are so you've got a very interesting view on rejection can we elaborate on that yeah yeah well I view yeah I view rejection I think differently than most people you know um there's a saying that we also have you know it's funny like I feel like we talk in sayings in my company but one of the sayings we have is the reason why the dog's barking is not because he's mad, it's because he's scared. <laughs> and so when somebody would say no to us, it wasn't a rejection to us. And I always knew it wasn't. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reaction that you have to give me because you live a life of fear. You know I'm there for one reason. Like if, if we want to just get straight down to entrepreneurship and driving revenue as as a you know, client acquisition, they know I'm there for one reason. I want a deal. I want you to write me a check. Mm. Okay. They have to make a decision. 
And when they make a decision, they're going to have to cut a check. Those are two things that humans are deathly afraid of doing. They're deathly afraid of making a bad decision. And they're deathly afraid of spending money, especially when it's not in their timeline. Right. So like when, when somebody pushes back on you, what the world would call rejects you in that, that's not rejection. (laughs) It's truly not like being rejected is like getting stuffed in a basketball game. That's being rejected. When I talk to somebody and they tell me, no, I know that, listen, the dog ain't mad. It's scared. I'm not being rejected. Right. This is like, um, an instinctual thing that has to be done. I say it all the time to my guys every morning. You know, if you were a doctor and you were seeing a patient and the patient threw up on you, would you get mad at him? <laughs> of course not. The patient's sick, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a sick, he's sick. He's going to throw up on you, man. Mm-hmm. You're the doctor. You got to fix him. And I feel the same way in business. If when a guy rejects me or he pushes me around, he yells at me, hangs up the phone or whatever. I know it's not me. Wow. He's scared. He's scared because he knows that I'm committed to doing one thing, something he don't want to do right now. Scared. Right. And then, and the thing is, he's going to have to admit to being. So when, when you guys have a product or a service that you're offering and it's going to be beneficial for the person, it's not on their timeline right now. You're dropping into somebody's space cold. They're not expecting you to come. Right. They got they have the money that they have is earmarked for other stuff, for a new car, for a Chanel bag for dinner tonight. It's not earmarked for you. Yes. Okay. They know you're going to make a compelling case. They know you're going to make it where if you don't do business with them, you're kind of a fool. They know you're going to make that presentation. They don't want to look like a fool. They're scared of that happening. So the defense mechanism comes up and they tell you no, immediately no. And it's, it's not rooted in anything that's real. Mm. Okay. And, and they know when they're with me, the further they engage me, the more logical I'm going to make this presentation and my rap is going to be super airtight logic that they're either going to have to do the deal or admit that they're cutting their nose despite their face. And most men don't want to go through that. Yeah. Most men, and I say that because my business is male-oriented, most men don't want to look at another man across the table and say, dude, you're right. The reason why I'm not doing it is because I'm a pussy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. You don't want to do that, right? Sure. So what, he, what does he do? Get out of here. I don't got time for you. I'm busy, blah, blah. That's what he has to do. Yes. So in my world, that's not rejection, dude. That's just an egg. That's just somebody I need to, that's just a guy I need to give a warm blanket to. That's just a baby crying. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. That makes sense. Um, I, I hope that makes sense. No, 100%. I'm, yeah. I'm trying not to Good. say no now. I'm scared of saying no to you. But I, I, you, you said something really interesting. You know, this planet is broken. It's because of broken people. And I was like, whoa, yes. totally agree with that. And I think, let's face it, I agree with you. Understanding the nature of people to become more successful in business, I think, is imperative because a lot of people don't. So I wanted to elaborate on this. And I think generally many people, A, don't take the time to understand people because they're so wrapped in themselves, especially in the social media age. Let's elaborate on this for the people listening, because I think having empathy and then also being a good person and taking the time to understand the nature of business and people is really important. So I'd love for them to hear you. Super, It's very, very important. You know, like, you know, the business that I'm in is a tough business and you have to kind of be a tough guy, but it doesn't mean that you have to be a bad guy. Mm. You could still be empathetic and understand where people are coming from. And, and that, that's really the key because I'm trying to make a connection with the person that I'm going to make a client. 
Yes. Okay. And I, I need to be in a position where I'm clear headed and I have altitude. That's where ALP comes from. Like I, I am the expert in this space. So I've seen it. I've done it all. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to hold your hand through the process, make it paint by number. There's nothing that can happen that I don't have a solution to. Yes. So I understand that you're scared. I understand maybe you've never done this before, but you're with the right guy. Mm. And you have to make that connection and, and have empathy for people because like I said, people are broken. They have bad information. The world is a broken place because it's full of broken people Absolutely. that have information from people who are unempowered. You know, the, the Catholic church says, give me your kid for the first seven years of his life. I'll be a Catholic forever. <laughs> and the reason why the Jesuits say that is because it's true. Why do you think they have these little kids and train them as jihadis when they're little kids? Yeah. The same thing my dad did to me. Yes. There's my default wiring is my environment and the people that I was around the first seven years of my life. Oh, sorry. Now, that's not a cop out. That is true. Yeah. That is what I'm always going to go back to. That's the, that's the circuitry that the robot was built off of. Right. Yes. Most people have a very uninformed, un, unempowered and uninformed upbringing from parents who are coming from a place of fear, who, who are not entrepreneurs that think that they need to get a job and stay there for 30 years and security is key. And it's not about earning, it's about saving. And that gets passed on to you. Mm. So when you're 35 years old in an office, you went to school and now you're the most successful person in your family, but I'm, I, the operating system is still run on a 1930 mentality. <laughs> and I know that. So when I drop into your space on a cold call, that is what comes up. Wow. So I have to have empathy for that understanding that everybody's gone through their own trials and tribulations. I have not walked a mile in that person's shoes. Okay. But I still have to do my job. My job is to let them know that I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to be with them every step of the way. And I have to educate them that this is going to be the right thing, the right move to make. Absolutely. And if they don't make it now, they're going to eventually have to make it. It's going to be a lot more expensive later, especially if they do it with the wrong person. Absolutely. And um, we've got to upgrade our software system. I'm just going to say that. Oh, okay. You got to follow Marshall because he's the bomb. But um, okay. playing with intention in business, let's speak about that quickly yeah. because I also want that to, I mean, there are a lot of people listening to this who are going through life challenges right now. The world has gone crazy, let's face it. But how do you yeah. play with intention in life and business? You mean like when you say intention, you mean the intention of others or or intention of my, of me? Both. I'm going to say both. Okay. Yeah. Well, so just understand the intention of others is always going to be their self-interest. So the intention of other people is going to be what they, what they want, what they need. Nobody's going to put anything in your favor. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to know. I think that's a great thing to even understand, even on social or whatever, just know that, People are not thinking about you as much as you think they are. People are thinking about themselves. Okay, so you always have another shot at it. You know, let's say you go on a deal and you blow it or something. Trust me, five minutes later, that person's not thinking about how you blew it. <laughs> that person's thinking about what am I going to do tonight? Cocktails, what am I going to eat? I got to pay this bill. Who am I going to see? When am I going to go to Puerto Rico? That's what they're thinking about. They ain't thinking about you. Okay, so that that that's probably a good starting place. But and just so understanding that is that their intention is self-interest. But once you once you see, shame on you. Okay, there's so much in life you guys can't control. We cannot control. 
Shame on us if we're not prepared on the stuff that we can control. And the stuff we can control is understanding human nature. We can control that. I can learn about what makes a human tick and what they're truly out for. And because I know that, I can be prepared for these encounters in a very powerful way. There's so much I can't control, but I can control that. Shame on you if you don't. That's brilliant. Because then you're really not committed. Then you're really just winging it, man. Yes. You know, you have to be a thinker and think about your audience. Like if you were going to put a show on, who is your audience? If you're going to market, who is your audience? If you're going to give a speech, who is your audience? Understand who your audience is. What makes them tick? Why they do what they do? I, I just gave you the cheat code. It's all self-interest. Mm. Okay. So when you understand that and you make things a 360 win, you'll be a lot more successful than you are today. I promise you, you won't have to worry about their intention. I know what their intention is. Mm. Their intention is to get everything they possibly can because they're, they live in fear and they do not live in an abundant life. They live mm. in a world of scarcity. And because of that, they got to collect everything they possibly can, squeeze every nickel out of every single deal because they don't know when the next one, next one's going to be. So knowing that, I'm going to tee that up. Absolutely. I'm going to let them feel like they're squeezing the eagle off a quarter. <laughs> In a negotiation, I'm going to cry the blues. You're beating the crap out of me, dude. You want my underwear too? I'm going to do all that stuff because I know that's going to make them feel like he's winning. Yes. Absolutely. And I love that. And it, it stems into, I guess, personal branding too, right? So my last question for you, Marshall, is, sure. and I, I feel like in your case, we have to call it a billion dollar brand, but what is a billion yeah. dollar personal brand to you? What does it stand for? What do you need to have? And can you give us some tips? You've built an incredible brand online. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I think, okay, first of all, ALP encompasses everything, altitude, logic, and pressure. And I think that to have a billion-dollar brand, one, it'd be nice if you actually put a billion on the board. <laughs> be a nice thing. Let's start with actually doing that, right? So today, <laughs> as I stand here, I've done two and a half billion. Mm. So, and maybe even a little bit more. I stopped counting in 2019. Um, so that'd be the first step. Don't fake the funk. Actually have the altitude. Be the guy. There's a reason why I don't do many podcasts. I did the Bradley and I'm doing yours because I like the way that you came at me. I, I don't believe that most of these guys that do podcasts are worth my 30 minutes, to be quite honest. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm not pandering to anybody's audience because I don't sell no courses. Yes. You know, so um, so I think number one would be have the altitude, actually be that person, don't fake the funk. Okay, that that's that's going to be the key of building a billion dollar brand. Actually, take the time to become that guy. People respect that, man. Yes. And you know what? People are smarter than you give them credit for. People can smell the fake. Absolutely. And they can smell the real. A fisherman can always spot another fisherman. <laughs> you know, so if you could take your time to actually become that person, I think that that's going to be extremely beneficial. Another thing I think is that in order to cut through and clarify all the noise, you have to be genuinely you. So I'm I'm genuinely me. My brand is who I am. This is who I am. I'm never going to change. I'm brash. I'm to the point. Sometimes I offend, but I am who I am. And you and my the points that I make are epic. And you have they're like undeniable. You got a great. So, and I'm a contrarian by nature, right? So yes. I think that's the part of branding. You have to be who you are. If you think about a guy who's extremely polarizing, like the Donald Trump character, mm. but a lot of dealings with growing up in that world in New York, a guy like that is, is unabashedly 
who he is. Yes. And that is the brand that's created, right? So he represents the brand and he's the brand 24 seven, whether you like the brand or not, that's the brand he made. Okay. It's an, it's a brand of altitude. Most people are afraid of showing their altitude. Uh, so I have a call every morning called the power hour with mm. contractors, developers. And we did last week, we did uh, an exercise and I went and I asked everybody, it's about 25 guys on the call in the morning on a zoom. And I asked them, what makes you great? What makes you the man? And everybody had marbles in their mouth. <laughs> and it's because you've been told to not boast about yourself. Mm. Right. But you got to remember that when you're creating a brand, wow. everything you're doing is supposed to be about how great this brand is. But when you understand that it's not for you, it's for your customer, you'll get better at it. So if you take like Trump for an example, everything he does is the best thing in the world. This is the best team. This is the greatest thing we ever did. Blah, blah, blah. He takes credit for everything. If you recognize it's more for you than it is for him, it's for the, it's, it's so the customers who are deathly afraid feel more comfortable and warm with doing business with that brand then you'll understand why it's very important to be a guy who's out there taking credit for everything and pushing it and telling the world how great you are because you got to cut through the noise. You got to get exposure. People, if they don't know you, they cannot do business with you, dude. Nobody can pay a bill they do not have. Mm. Right? So if you're going to do business with me, you got to know me first. And if you're going to pay me, I got to send you a bill. The only way you're getting a bill is if you know who I am. Yes. So I got to make noise and I got to get on. I got to be the, the guy in the middle of the marketplace screaming on a bullhorn. That's how you create a brand. A billion dollar brand is one of excellence. And so you'd have to uphold that. You have to uphold excellence. So when you're on a podcast or when you're doing your business dealings, know your stuff. Be excellent and practice it. You know, there's nothing better than being a great communicator. Great. Like I've done business with very successful guys that are, that have companies that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars that you'll never know. They, they put piles in the ground, they dredge water. These are contractors who can't read. Some of them can't write. They got $50 million in the bank though. No. The problem is they don't have a brand and they never will because they cannot communicate. Mm. So there's nothing better than good communication and you can practice your communication writing scripts and talking to yourself and listening to yourself back and talking to yourself in the mirror. I think all of that is a part of building a brand and building a billion dollar brands based on really being excellent. Oh my gosh. I think um, I need to take this and like turn it into a book this episode. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and Marshall, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Cause I, like you said, Absolutely. I know you don't do this often, but um, I'm, I'm really, I'm, my aim is to create a legacy and I want to do that through bringing brilliant minds and entrepreneurs online like yourself. So just your time is invaluable and I hope people like and share this, but you got to go and I'm going to say stalk Marshall on Instagram. <laughs> Stalk, but don't stalk. So how else can people find you and hear more about you or do your coaching? Or I know you've got, you know, if they in, are in the real estate industry, construction. Yeah, yeah, marshallwilkinson.com. Perfect. Find me on Instagram at realmarshallwilkinson. You just Google me, I pop up on all the outlets. And my coaching is really specific to contractors and developers. I do have some other real estate and salespeople in it. But I will say that, you know, it's kind of really relegated towards that. But I do give away all my information for free, all my PDFs and audios. If you go to my site, 
everything you've basically heard about today by ALP philosophy, how to close deals. I give that away to the public for free. Absolutely. And I mean, your Instagram content is fire. I've seen and worked with like a lot of brands and just, it's so interesting. So go and binge watch Marshall's Instagram and thank you so much for your time from the bottom of my heart, Marshall. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate it.